21CL Radio. You're listening to the Run Your Life podcast with host Andy Vassar. Hi, everyone. Thanks for tuning into my Run Your Life podcast series. The purpose behind this podcast is to share stories from the world of education and beyond of people who strive for both personal and professional excellence in their lives through their work or other pursuits that they have devoted themselves to. Every guest that I have on my show is very different, yet many of them are all driven to impact the world in their own unique ways and to change people's lives for the better. I love nothing more than hearing these stories and to better understand what guiding principles my guests put into action in their own lives in order to be their best self. In today's episode, I feel very lucky to have sat down in person with Katerina Karna, who has become a good friend of our family here in Saudi Arabia. Katerina is from a small village in southern Italy, but has lived here at Kaust in Saudi Arabia for the past five years. And anyone who knows Katerina here at Kaust knows what a kind, caring, and compassionate person that she is. And what makes Katerina uniquely special is her ability to connect with others in order to build community and give people a greater sense of belonging. The main reason why I wanted to have Katerina on my podcast is to share her very inspiring journey of transformation within herself over the past year. Katerina has spoken very openly and honestly about her struggles with being overweight for most of her life. In this episode, Katerina discusses how her relationship with food impacted her health for many years, especially growing up in a small village in Italy where food was one of the major ways that people in her life connected and came together to celebrate life and friendships. What makes Katerina's story even more special is the fact that over the past 12 months, she has lost 100 pounds. It has been amazing to see this journey and to really see the transformation within herself. And one of the main reasons for this transformation was her ability to activate an internal strength that she never knew existed within herself. In this episode, Katerina shares how losing both her parents within 10 months of one another deeply impacted her in a way that ultimately empowered her to choose life over death. Katerina knew she needed a complete change in her life in order to confront the fact that the state of her physical health had seriously declined due to her weight. Amazingly, Katerina made a very brave and bold decision to change her life forever and has completely dedicated herself to this greater purpose. I applaud Katerina for her ability to make herself vulnerable and for sharing her authentic self in this episode. Her story is amazing and more people need to know about it. 
Please connect with Katerina on Instagram and on Facebook to learn more about her story and to see for yourself the transformational journey she is now on. You can connect with her. You'll see it in the show notes, um, uh, her Instagram link and Facebook link. Katerina, I want to thank you so much for being on the podcast. Without further ado, my episode with the inspiring Katerina Karna. Katerina. Hi. <laughs> You're on the show. Yes, I am. Yeah, I'm very and, happy. And you know what's really nice about, um, you know, a lot of the podcasts that I record are on Skype. So I see the person on video and sometimes if the, the audio c- or the connection is not very mm. good, we have to um, stop the video, then it's only audio. But one of my favorite things to do is to have uh, in-person yeah. podcast recordings so that people have already heard a little bit about you. And, and just to kind of set the scene, you're, you're sitting across the table from me in our house. And I'll just let the listeners know that there's a little bit of background noise because your cooking student, yeah. <laughs> who's my son, Ty, yes. uh, is making us dinner as we record. And they cannot wait for it. <laughs> He's making Japanese curry. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, Katerina, thanks for being on the show. And uh, I'm really happy to have you on the show because you have an amazingly inspiring story that we'll share. Uh, so thanks for taking the time and uh, making yourself vulnerable, too, because you're going to share a lot of yeah. personal things today in the podcast. Thank you for inviting me. I really wanted to do this. I'm very happy to be here. Yeah. So let's, uh, just for the listeners, um, you have been at Koust for how many years? Five years now. Five years now. Yes. And your husband is a researcher? My husband, yes, he's a professor in the BESE division, biological division at Koust. Right. Yeah. And you're from Italy. Yes, I'm from the south of Italy. Yeah. So you wrote down the name. Uh, can, can you say <laughs> yes, that? Yes, my, my small, small village is called Guardavalle. It's uh, in the south of Italy, very close to Sicily, on the sea. It's a beautiful place, and I grew up, grew up there all my life. Right. Yeah. So you're from Italy, mm-hmm. and I think the direction that I want to start with right away was what was life like for you growing up in a small village in the south of Italy? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was uh, it was funny and uh, it was safe because it was really a small village and so everyone knows everyone else in a small village. What's and the population? So when I grew up, it was like a, a little more than 1,000 people. Okay. So it was really small. Now it's a little bit bigger, but not that much. And uh, I remember spending my, my childhood like playing outside with my friends, many times without shoes, <laughs> just yeah, yeah. going around and have fun with them. And uh, I built some uh, lifelong relationship there. Uh, many of uh, my childhood friends are still my friends and big supporters, and I'm very grateful for that. So you were uh, somebody that connected with nature when you were young? Yeah, yes. Yeah. I always spent my life outside because uh, in the south of Italy it was not never cold so you could could stay outside basically the whole year yeah and um, I live in this in this small neighborhood and uh, there are there were a lot of children my age in that neighborhood and there were also my friend from school so we just spent uh, spent our time outside playing and, together and the culture of Italy uh, and in particular um, small villages uh, like yours, 
uh, are very family oriented. Yes. And um, is it the typical Italian setting where the family eats a, a lot outdoors? And did you have an outdoor kitchen kind of thing? Yes, it was exactly like you see in the movie. Yeah. Uh, like we had uh, the big proper kitchen in my mom's house, but we had a big garden. And so there was a, a kitchen outside and there was also an oven outside where my dad made the pizza and my grandmother nice. made bread <laughs> yes and that's where so for the listeners um one of the things um that i want them to know is um that you're an amazing cook <laughs> and you. i know you've been told this by many many people <laughs> and the more people that i meet at coast who know you all know what an amazing cook you are and and what a connector you are and how you connect with people through um, cooking and and sharing your yes, love of food. Yes, hospitality, yes. Right? This comes from my mom's, mom's side. Um, we are a very big family. My mom had uh, seven siblings, and so I have a lot of cousins. And, and I remember that uh, there were always people eating in my house, even people that we just met, and people that uh, we barely knew, but uh, through food, we made friends and you for life. Yeah. Yes. And one of my favorite cookbooks is, uh, you know, so you know, I, I love cooking. And, yeah. and one of my favorite cookbooks of all time is uh, Jamie's Italy. Yeah. Right. And I remember like going through it uh, page by page. And, and it's a great cookbook where he goes to different villages and different towns and wherever he goes, it's this outdoor family setting, yes. an extended family, and, and connections. So I think that's one of the strengths that you have is the, the power of, of connection. Yes, right? I think so. Yes, yeah. This is the, the thing that I like most to do, to yeah. connect people and to, to feed people. I love feeding people because for me, uh, cooking food was always a way to to share my love with people i if i love someone i usually make bread or a cake or something yeah. uh, because food has really the power to overcome uh, languages and yes it, it arrives directly to your heart and yeah, yeah. yes it makes you feel uh, welcome and and better yeah. yeah and thai so getting to to thai uh my youngest son um, who's 13 he uh, has fallen in love with cooking yeah and you know so he's spent a lot of hours in the in the kitchen with me and over the last uh, probably six months or yeah. eight months you've been his cooking teacher yes, yes. so he he's, will he'll ride great. his he'll ride his bike to your house <laughs> and you say okay Ty next week what do you want to cook yeah. so maybe it's pizza or carbonara yeah. or, but the beautiful thing about it is Whenever Ty goes to spend time with you, he not only brings back great food, but he brings back great stories about the origins of yeah. food. Yeah, I, I try to, because he's very passionate about food and they really appreciate this. And he's not, usually you don't see this in a very young boy. Yeah. I try to make him understand also where the food comes from, so why it was made in a certain way and... Uh, I want him to really not just cook, but I want to give him a piece of my culture. This yeah. is what I do. And he always shares those stories. And then within a couple of days of a cooking class, he will go to Tamimi, pick up all the ingredients, then he'll come back and cook whatever you taught him. And, and it's been great to see his passion for cooking blossom 
and flourish since taking cooking lessons with you. And I guess one of the things that obviously I, I've had you on the show because you have an amazing story and a, a lot of the audience listening to my show are physical educators and health um, educators. Mm-hmm. And I think you know me and the work that I do and, and um, physical movement and physical activity changed my life. Yeah, also mine. Yeah, and mm-hmm. that's one of the things that I want to get into with your story is how physical activity and movement truly changed your life. Yeah. So I guess we can we can begin. I just want to dive back into your past a little bit yeah. to talk about your um, your connection with with physical activity growing up. I know you said you were outdoors a lot, but just mm-hmm. talk about the the role that physical activity played in your life while growing up, and then we'll move into mm-hmm. you know the the last few years and how it's changed. Basically, physical activity and exercise was not a thing in my life and also in my family. Uh, I remember that uh, we were, um, uh, my dad always brought us uh, for uh, skiing in the mountain and uh, my, my two brothers were very good at skiing. I, I was quite good too when I was just a young girl. But um, there was no, not a culture of doing physical activity during the year like as, as a thing. It was just a, an occasional uh, thing that we did, like, for example, when we went for skiing. And was that most people in, in your village or where you were from? Or just no, no, no. I, I have to say that uh, in my village, for example, football is very, very famous and there were a lot of people, kids my age also, and girls playing football. Yeah. I was just not into this. I, yeah. I didn't uh, even think about doing any physical activity. And uh, the PE um, uh, lesson at school for me was just boring as hell. <laughs> I didn't want to What type it. of things did you do in PE in Italy growing up? Uh, the only thing that I liked was playing volleyball, but it was very like small for 15 minutes, then minutes once per week, nothing really um, good for, for me. Um, I should have done uh, physical activity constantly uh, during the week, but I never did it and it's not someone else's fault. It's just that um, it didn't happen because I was not interested and also my family never pushed me to do any kind of physical activity because it was something that they never uh, did and, and they never think about. Right. Yeah. And and you've spoken very openly about being overweight when you yes, were young. Yes, I was obese, not yeah. overweight. I so, was always obese. And what do you think, um, you know, and I, I know this is very personal, yeah. but what do you think the reasons for that were? I'm still uh, really looking into the reasons. I'm I'm really um, uh, taking a, jo- a journey inside myself uh, in the last year. And... Um, I think that uh, there was a very, a very big um, uh, part played by my mom in this uh, thing. I, w- I had a very strong relationship with her, and our relationship were really it was really um, uh, the food in our relationship was very important. Like uh, we were. Um, eating for celebrating, eating for uh, when we were sad. Mm-hmm. Uh, we were always eating, basically. And um, 
and but that's all, part of the culture too, right? That's part of the culture too. Yes, uh, but I I I think that I realized that when I was young that food was uh, something that could comfort me somehow. So when some, when I had something that uh, was not good, when I had something wrong, I just uh, instead of talking and asking for help because I didn't want to be a burden for my parents, uh, I just uh, was eating. Food would yes. soothe the soul. Exactly, exactly, yeah. and uh, and this this became an habit. And you don't realize when it becomes an habit. You don't even realize how much food you are able to eat, mm-hmm. and you basically eat constantly. And uh, it's like breathing; it's something that you don't realize until it's too late. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then you have to do something serious to to solve the problem. Mm-hmm. And but for me, doing something serious was doing doing stupid things like uh, starving myself, uh, doing so extreme, horrible. Extremism. Yes. Yes. And, and that's what happens a lot of times, you know, with um, people who have um, a, a relationship with food that is very difficult to control. Mm. Yeah. They go on these crash diets exactly. or, like you said, starving yourself. Yes. And it works in the short term, but it doesn't work in the long no, term. Actually, it's worse in, because in the long term, when you start eating again, you will gain all the weight and more. Mm-hmm. So um, it took me like 40, more than 40 years to understand that uh, there are just small steps that you have to do every day and be constant and yeah. you will have the result. It's not difficult. Yeah. It's just to create a new habit, mm-hmm. a healthy habit and stick to it right. and having a goal. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, a lot of the work that uh, I've done in physical education and health and, and the work that I've done at the Coast School here in elementary school is to create a physical education program that is not traditional. It's not based on sport. It's about intrinsically motivating young people to find joy and love through movement. And I'm working with uh, a number of researchers around the world um, who have done lots of research into the difference that physical activity can make when we find joy in it. Um, so our program here, we do a lot of cycling, we do skateboarding, whatever we do, um, in PE, we connect it to the community so that the kids, when they leave school, if they're inspired, they can take action in the community and traditional PE programs have never allowed kids to do such a thing. Exactly. So I think in your case, you have found a love of physical activity much later in life. Yes, very late. Right? Yes. So I guess now is a good time to to really go into the idea. So I just want to tell people that, um, Katerina, you're 42 years old yes. right now. Yes. And as I said, you've spoken very openly about being overweight your whole life. But in the last how many, what is, has it been, two years or no, a year? No, one year. One, one, one year. year. Yes. You've lost 44 kilo- kilograms, yes. which is 100 pounds. Yes. Right? Yes. I which still is, cannot believe it, but right. it's true. Yeah. So I guess think of the old Katerina yeah. um, who was overweight um, and talk about uh, the, some of the big changes within yourself that took place to allow you to go on this new journey. Yes. Uh, First of all, I am very sorry for the old Caterina because um, she was really lost 
and she needed help, but she didn't want to ask for help, first of all. Then what happened to me is that um, two years ago, I think, I it happened to go to the TEDx event in Kaust where you gave a talk. I didn't know you at the time. And your talk was about how running kept you out of uh, depression and out of uh, a very uh, unhealthy habit, addiction. addiction coming from your family. Uh, at that moment, I doing physical activity was not even a thing for me. And uh, I remember exactly the day that you gave the talk. I was sitting in the chair in the auditorium and uh, the chair was too small for me. It was so uncomfortable and I felt so bad every time I went into that auditorium. I felt so bad that I could not fit properly in the chair. And uh, I remember that I was so inspired by your talk uh, that I thought, uh, wow, this is amazing. I should, uh, I should start to do something. But then I didn't do nothing <laughs> for uh, more, more than one year. And during the last five years, my mom uh, was diagnosed with uh, multiple myeloma, that is a very bad uh, cancer of the blood, and she died last year on February. Uh, when my mom died, uh, immediately your talk came into my mind, and it was for me like, uh, like a way to escape. So I thought uh, I should start doing something, but I was so much overweighted because my weight was 145 kgs that really also walk for me was painful. I remember walking like 20, 30 steps and have such a big pain on my feet that, and, and also my breath, I couldn't really, but I started to do it like I walked for one minute and then stopped for one minute and walked for one minute again. This is what I was doing. And then after a while, I, I realized that that small walks were really saving my life because, because going out and just walk for me was, was something that was giving me hope and happiness in that moment of desperation because my mom died and uh, um, I was not there because it happened all of a sudden. So um, I had to go back to Italy and she was already in ICQ and I couldn't say even goodbye to her, nothing. She was um, basically dead when I arrived mm -hmm. and after a few hours um, she, her heart stopped beating. And so what was horrible for me was the thing that I couldn't even say goodbye to her. And I always remember the last word that she said to me because I went to visit her a few months ago she, she, before she left, a few months before she, she left us. And she said, I hope that I can see you again. When she said those words to me, there was like someone was stabbing me. Mm -hmm. They were so painful because I didn't even want to think that I would not even see her again. But I knew that there was How a possibility. Was she, when she, died? she was 73. Okay. And, uh, and so um, that, those words were really painful. But I knew that she was right, <laughs> that probably I will never see her again alive. And so walking and uh, constantly listening to your uh, 
talk, mm. what I did it was that I downloaded your talk and while I was walking, I was listening to your talk. Like I know it by memory, I can say everything about mm. your talk now. And that helped me a lot to find a way because I thought if he did this and you have a very, a very powerful story, I thought if he did this, I can do this. Mm -hmm. So this is the way I started to do physical activity. And, and I arrived at the point after like one month that I understood that uh, just walking was not enough because what I was looking for, I realized after, I wanted to feel a physical pain because I, need to, I needed to numb the pain that I was feeling the in grief. my soul. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So I wanted the physical pain to be bigger. Mm -hmm. And somehow I wanted that pain in my soul to shut up. Mm -hmm. So um, my, I have a very good friend here in Kaos. She's called Nuf and um, she, she did uh, an amazing job herself. She lost a lot of weight through physical activity. And she said, you should join me to the gym. And, and I said, okay, why not? And I remember that first day, it was March 29 last year. I went in 2018. Yes. Yeah. I went into the gym and I was so scared and I thought, oh my gosh, everyone is looking at me. What were you scared of, do you think? I was scared. That I was not scared. I was embarrassed of mm, myself, okay. of how fat I was. And I was thinking, everybody is looking at me with disgust. This is what I was thinking. But I went, even if I was feeling that uh, yeah. <laughs> that pain. And instead, I when I went into the gym... I attended the RPM class, that is a spinning class, which is amazing, amazing guy that is called Igor. He is a trainer at the gym. And he was so nice to me. He, he, he made me feel welcome. And also all the people in the class were so nice to me that I just finished the class. I could barely do the class. Yeah. <laughs> it was horrible, so painful. But I, I wanted to go back. So I started to go back to his classes. I was not able to finish one class for a long, long time, but I stayed there. Like uh, I was cycling very slow, but I never left the class. I stayed there. And then one day he told me, you should join also body pump. Body pump class is a class where you basically lift weight. And I was scared because I thought it was very difficult, but I went and I, I couldn't do nothing. And he was so worried for me yeah. <laughs> that I could injure myself, that he wanted me to always say near him so he could see me and check my technique if I was yeah. doing something dangerous for me. And uh, for the first classes, I couldn't do, I couldn't do nothing, basically. but I was there. Like I decided that I would show up every single class, no matter what. So I went and... Um, and this basically was the beginning of, of the change right. of my life. And so there's a couple things that I want to, I, I want to talk about. And, and one of the things is that, you know, you had reached out to me maybe a year after my talk. Yes, about, yes. I um, sent you an email. Yeah, to and thank I, re you. I remember that I had a really shitty week. Yes, I you had did. A, I had a terrible <laughs> week. And... Um, you know, mm -hmm. when, when I, I think back to giving that talk, it was the hardest talk that I've ever given because I was talking about two brothers dying and addiction and depression. And, mm -hmm. and I did it for my brothers and I did it for myself. 
And when you emailed me, it was it was such a special message to receive because I thought, ah, you know, if my talk only impacted one person, yeah. then it was so worth it, you know. And that's how we connected after that because you yeah. reached out to me and then we started to correspond by email. Um, and, and one of the things I want to talk to you about as you describe your journey is the word courage. Yes. Right? Because you describe like being afraid and being embarrassed. Yes. And that holds so many people back. Exactly. You know, they, you know, they feel embarrassed. They feel, um, they feel ashamed. They feel scared. So much so that they do not want to take exactly. the chance. Exactly. So something within you uh, was an act of internal strength. Right? Yes. So... What I'm a firm believer that, and, and we talked before I hit the record button, in uh, internal strength being activated. And it doesn't just happen. I believe that everybody has internal strength. And it just takes a variety of factors uh, to come together to turn the switch on. Can you, when you think back to yourself as a young person, can you think of some some moments or um, some times when you displayed internal strength? Yes, I can think about this. I always had a very big sense of uh, justice. So at school, for example, I remember myself always defending the, the weakest people or uh, telling the truth. Uh, when I thought that something was not fair, I was always telling and putting myself in the first line no, I, I didn't care about the consequences because for me, justice and the truth was so much important that I had to to defend it. And I remember, <laughs> I remember just an episode. I was 12 years old, and uh, I have I had this best friend that is still my very good friend. His name is Paolo, and he was a very very shy guy, and he had um, how do you call that bread? Bre- braces in the in his teeth yeah, braces, yes, yeah. yes and there was another guy that was always making fun of him and also bullying him sometimes also with physical uh, um, violence so i was always trying to defend him and one day i just had enough i couldn't bear uh, this and so i went and i beat the guy he kicked his ass yes Nice. I know that is not something that we have to teach to our no, children, but, but every, every once in a while, yes, it's okay to it kick was it was so well deserved because <laughs> yes, he bullied my friend for so much time that I couldn't stand it more. So I kicked his ass. I love it. <laughs> and I don't even know where I found the strength, but I found it. And that stopped. That, that bullying stopped immediately because probably the bully was so shocked. <laughs> from my reaction <laughs> yeah, yeah. That, like he stopped immediately and now <laughs> I see him and he in treats the village? Me, yes and he treats me with a very big respect <laughs> that's great <laughs> that's great so he's nice yes, to you now yes. and, and you know that he always remembers oh there's yes. Katarina she kicked my ass <laughs> exactly <laughs> that's awesome yes so yes I remember many <laughs> many of these so moments I think, in my I life I think that's that's what um, a, a learning learning journey in life is about recognizing our strengths. Yeah, yes, right? I, I had I had my, I had strength, but what I think I'm thinking this period about when I am doing some reflection about myself, what I think is that I knew that I had the strength, but 
I felt that I was so different from other people that especially being a girl I was not girly at all I was a boy basically I all my friends were boys and I liked to do things with boys and uh, 30, 40 years ago in a small village in the south of Italy it was not so um, normal uh, to hang out with boys and um, so that strength that I felt uh, was uh, something that I always doubted because uh, I felt that I was different, that I didn't share uh, many of uh, the, the cultural thinking that uh, were surrounding me in that period. And, um, and I grew up all my life with a sentence in my head that people, I'm sure they were telling me uh, to make me feel better, but this actually defined me for so much time. And the sentence was, even if she is fat, she is interesting. Even if she is fat, she is beautiful. Even if she is fat, she is something positive. Kinder, yeah, compassion. Yes. Yeah. So, but the, the problem was not the second part, beautiful, strong, uh, compassion. No, the problem was that even if she is fat, that part of the sentence made me always feel uncomfortable, not acceptable, and uh, so out of place. Yeah. But the reaction was eating even more. Yeah. So. Um, and and yeah. that's it's it sounds like that's your narrative and that's that's your original narrative and that's the the story that you created for yourself. Yes, I think that everyone has a, a plot. Yeah. That uh, follows his own life, and especially I think that this plot comes from our family, from the environment, and you. Like try to stick to the plot because you don't want to to be different from the others. But then at a certain point, you should understand that you can change the plot because actually you are the main character of your uh, story. of your story. So if you don't like the place where you are, you are not a tree, you can move. <laughs> like you have no yeah. roots. You can move and you can change your plot and make it a new one. Yeah, and can, and that is one of the that's that's um, taking ownership over your own story exactly right, and not letting outside um, circumstances or outside factors or influences control your story. So it sounds like you know after your mom passed away and that you took control of your own life. Yes, and and that was the switch. And you know I. I love that we connected and I know your story, but ultimately it was you who turned on that switch yourself. Yes, it was me. It right? was me, but I was in the in a good environment to do this because... Uh, here at Kaust, it's, at it's Kaust. an amazing yes, environment. I was, I was very lucky to be here at Kaust. Actually, what happened after my mom died is something that really changed me because after less than one, 10 months, also my dad passed away and he was not sick it no. was an accident he died because he fell on the stair he just had breakfast with my brother and my niece and nephew and then he was going to the bathroom and he fell on the stairs How and old he, was he? he was 73 like no. my mom and so that was another turning point because i was already in this journey but I was uh, like attending class at the gym and minding what I was eating. But after my mom, my dad died, 
I felt like all the world was falling apart. It was impossible that something like this was happening to me. I, I, I had spoken to him the day before and the day after my brother just called me and I remember that my brother didn't know how to tell me what happened because also him, it was, it was there. It happened with him under his eyes and he was in shock. I, I will never forget my brother's voice. Um, so I thought that my fall, my world was really falling apart again and I didn't know what to do. So because uh, physical activity helped me, I, I thought I have to do something more. I have to do, to push more. So what I did is basically I went at the gym and I decided that I needed a personal training. I didn't want to attend classes with other people anymore. I just wanted someone to kick my ass every day. <laughs> yes, okay. So, and when I look at for a personal training, I look at for the most muscular personal training I could find because I thought he's so big that he can really kick my ass. So I went and meet this guy. And I remember that I, when I asked him if I could talk to him, I thought myself oh my gosh he will think what is this woman doing here talking to me <laughs> i thought this uh, but i did it i went to talk to him and i discovered the most amazing person ever because he has a lot of muscles but uh, he has a biggest heart his heart is much bigger than his muscles and i i told him my story and he really, he just said, because he doesn't talk too much, but he just said, I will help you with this. And he really did it. Like he stick at my side and he's never leaving me alone. Like we talk every day and we exercise every day. Yeah. I do whatever he tells me to do. We yeah. do CrossFit and he made me do some amazing things that I will never think in my life. I'm lifting weight like crazy. I'm going more than 100 yeah, you're kgs. Doing, you're yes. doing squats. I, you're, yes, you're doing... yes, I do everything. I do every, I do box jumps. I skip the rope. I'm running. Like I could barely walk one year ago. And now I'm running. Yeah, that yeah. is, for me, running is the biggest achievement ever. Because even as, as a child, I never was able to run. <laughs> and uh, thinking about the pain that I had in my feet after walking for one moment, <laughs> basically. Yeah, yeah. And now I just run. I go on the treadmill and run. I go outside and run. This is such a freeing sensation. It's amazing. And being able to lift all that weight makes me feel strong. I basically do, what, do whatever he tells me to do. He's helping me with nutrition. Like it, it tells me what to eat and I do it. Mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> and he's helping me with exercise. And he's, but he's doing really something more. Because even when he is on vacation or when I am on vacation, he gives me a daily exercise to perform. For example, this week he was on vacation, but I went at the gym every day and you saw me and I just did whatever he told me to do. And he's always with me, even when he's not yeah. physically with me. So say, what's his name? His name is Ayman Lofi. Say thank you to him. Thank you, Ayman. I yeah. love you so much. Yeah, we, can, <laughs> yeah. we can share the, yeah. the podcast with him. Yeah, he's, uh, he's an amazing person. Yeah. He really made uh, a big change in my life because uh, after my dad died, I, I was not sure that I could overcome this. Yeah. And um, he died just five months ago. Uh, so I'm still uh, grieving. Yeah, uh, of yeah and I, it, this will be a long process for sure. But I, uh, I feel so strong and I feel that I am able to face everything. Yeah. 
now. Yeah, and you know, I, I haven't ever shared this story on the podcast, but um, I just want to share a short story with you. And um, so when when I was growing up, um, I had very loving grandparents. And I would love to go to my grandparents' house. <laughs> my, my father's parents were Hungarian, mm. right? And my grandmother gave me so much love and amazing food. Uh, and on my mom's side, my mom had um, her aunt and uncle. Um, which were, they were um, together 60 years. And they were like my other set of grandparents, even mm. though they were a great aunt Ankles. and uncle. Mm. So my uncle, uh, Uncle Joe, he died at 80 years old of cancer, and I was 16 years old at the time. And my uh, great aunt and uncle had uh, dual citizenships uh, with Canada and the U.S., so they wanted, he wanted to be buried in Canada, right? So he was in the hospital in Canada and died in Canada. And, and the night before his funeral, funeral, my aunt was staying with us. And uh, her name was uh, Lucille. Um, so she, I woke up in the middle of the night and she was coughing. And she had asthma. So I woke up and she was in the bathroom coughing. And I woke up and I, I went and I checked on her. And she was like, go away. I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm fine. And then I went back to bed. Then I heard her coughing even more. And I went back out and checked on her. Go away. Leave me alone. Leave me alone. Leave me alone. And and then I woke up a third time. And there was silence. And I went in and she was unconscious on the floor. So I screamed to my mom to call the ambulance, and um, I gave her mouth-to-mouth, and I tried to resuscitate her. And as a 16-year-old, I didn't know what was happening, but I managed to, you know, um, help her survive, you know. But she was taken to the hospital, and she died two days later. Um, So everybody was coming for my uncle's funeral, and then everybody was asking, where's Lucille? And we're like, well, she's, she was brain dead. And she died two days later. And it was the most horrible thing ever. Yeah. And I felt so guilty because when I went to check on her, I thought for, for so many months after, I thought it's my fault. Yeah. Because I, you know, I could have done something then. But she was really tough, yeah. tough woman. She was like, get out of here, go back to bed. Mm. And I know she wanted to die and she wanted to be with him. I know the same thing yeah, about and, my dad. And that's yeah. what I think of your story yeah. about your parents dying so closely yes. together. My dad's life... It's peaceful yes. in a way, yes, right? Yes, exactly. My dad's life uh, made no sense without my mom. And he always... Uh, say that they were together since they were 14 years old yeah it was such a big amazing love they shared they were really in love you know many couples after many years are just together they're like friends Friends. yeah Yeah. they were in love really in love like my my dad was crazy about my mom and so i could see that the day she died my dad soul died with her so um, this is something that comforts me. 
yeah. when I think about him being with uh, her. In fact, they are, in fact, they are together. We buried them together. Oh, nice. Yes, because my my dad wanted this, and uh, so we we did it. And when I went for my dad's funeral, and we were at the cemetery, and um, I saw physically my dad went that went in my mom's place it was like very horrible to see of course but uh, it was it gave me peace yeah, because yeah. i thought oh now they're finally together this yeah, is what beautiful. they wanted for yeah. uh, their whole life yeah and, as, yeah. and so as they share the same grave yeah and as hard as the experience is on you mm. um you realize that it's it's peaceful you know? it's peaceful yeah. and uh, i will be very selfish to think uh, that um, I wanted my dad here for many years. Yeah, yeah. That would be really selfish of me because uh, my dad was trying with all his strength to live. He was trying. He always say, I will do all my best. This is what, what this was his uh, sentence. He said in Italian is io ce la metto tutta. That means I will do all my best. And he was trying all his best, but I I stopped seeing that sparkle in his eyes. My dad had always a sparkle in his eyes, but after my mom died, that sparkle went away. So really it would be selfish for my side. I know that uh, he, is, he is exactly where he wants to be with yeah. my mom. What are your parents' names? Francesco and Fiorella. Okay. Mm. And what would they be most proud of, of you right now? They, if you could hear them speaking, they what would, would be they be proud because I've been brave. I'm sure about this because they always wanted me to be brave for two different reasons. My dad wanted me to be brave because he was very brave. My mom wanted me to be brave because she was not brave. <laughs> and uh, she was uh, very uh, a person with many fears for all her life. But I will tell you something. After she got the cancer, she became a lioness. She became the, the most, the, the bravest person. And I never saw her complaining, even if the therapies were very painful. And this is a very painful cancer that breaks your bones. Yeah. It's so painful. And she was, she was in pain all the time, but I never saw her uh, complaining. Just once, just two months before dying, I was talking to her on the phone and she said, I've had enough. And that day... I knew that the end was coming. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Yeah. So I think that they will be proud of me because I've been brave and I did not give up. And I'm actually doing something. Like, it's strange to say this, but after my parents' death, many beautiful things happened. So their death is not just a death. Yeah. It's, it's like you plant a seed and then something comes out a tree comes out and you can take the fruits. This is what uh, I did with their death. I tried to transform this pain in something uh, that can help myself. From wounds to wisdom. Exactly. And you, yes. you gave a talk. So yeah. um, we, Nila and I hold, uh, two times a year, we hold uh, something called Pecha Kucha. Mm. Uh, and for the people listening, Pecha Kucha is a Japanese presentation style. Um, which is um, 
a speaker will get up and they have 20 slides that last 20 seconds each for a total of 6 minutes and 40 seconds. Mm -hmm. And for those of you listening, you can look at, at pechacucha.org, so P-E-C-H-A-K-U-C-H-A dot org, to see um, the, the website. Um, and it's a presentation style, and it has gone worldwide where people have these Pechacucha evenings that are like TED Talks, mini TED Talks, right? Yes. So every speaker gets up. There's nine speakers, um, six minutes, 40 seconds. Each speaker is such a beautiful evening, yeah, it's right? Beautiful. it's beautiful. And, and I asked you to share your yeah. story, and your Pechacucha was from turning wounds to wisdom. Yes. Where you, sh- you had six minutes, 40 seconds to, to share so much, mm. but everybody was so moved by your story. You know, and if you look, we have, um, we still have your, your speech. You left your, yeah, your cue cards here, so we have them still. But um, what is it like now when you, when you think of your story and you're inspiring others? So what is your new purpose? My new purpose is, is that I want that people understand that if I can make it, everyone can. I want people to know that there is a way to have uh, a healthy lifestyle. Uh, Being healthy doesn't mean to be uh, thin, because I know many thin people that are not healthy. So having a healthy lifestyle for me means to have a healthy mind. And I think that a very powerful tool to have a healthy mind is exercise. Uh, in our society, you know better than me that anxiety and depression, depression are a, re- a really big problem, and they really cost a lot. Also, the, the medicine for this yeah, costs yeah, a lot. Me- medical yes. insurance. Yeah. Mis- a physical exercise is a medicine, in my opinion, that can uh, cure a lot of diseases and uh, can help you have uh, a more focused mind, make you. It will make you healthier. It will make you happier. Emotionally. Yes, emotionally happy. And because uh, you really, exercise changes the structure of your brain. Mm -hmm. And this this has been uh, scientifically proven. It's not me that I'm saying this. So, and it's very cheap. You just go out for a walk. It's free. You just go for for a walk, for a run, for biking. Just do gardening. Everything that makes you happy and involves moving your body. It's so important. And I want to inspire other people and to make people leave their uh, butt from the coach and go outside and do something together with other people because this will keep keep them out of that black zones where every one of us goes from time to time. Yeah, yeah. Everyone has those dark spots. Um, so, and here in Kaust, we are such a small community and it's really easy to reach other people. So what's happening to me now is that actually people are stopping me because I live in Kaust from five years. Everyone knows me. Everyone knows the old me. And now they're seeing the new me that I'm, I'm still overweight. I need to lose you more look weight. Great. Yes. Thank you so much. You look <laughs> thank awesome. you so much. I want to lose more weight. Because um, I want to be healthy, but the the difference. Do you have a target? Like, do you have a target weight or no, a target I zone? I don't have a target weight because um, 
the the body weight does not define how much healthy yes, you are. It's the body composition that yes, defines yes, how yes. much healthy you are. Excellent. So I have a target of body fat in yeah. my uh, in my body, yeah. not weight, because yeah, you know the muscles weight a lot. Yeah. So a, a person that does exercise and weights 90 kgs can look thin from outside yeah. because his, his weight is all about muscles, but the fat. Uh, actually occupies more space yeah. so a person a fat person that weighs 90 kgs it's fat mm-hmm. you can see it so i don't have a, a goal about the weight i have a goal about the fat percentage in my body okay. but the main goal for me is to be resilient to live day by day and to be happy every day and do the right choice every single day of my life this is my final goal because this will make me a stronger person, an happier person, a better mom, a better wife, a better friend, a better everything. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I can see already after these 40 ages so many changes in my personal life and I have so much energy. So I'm never tired. Before I remember, I was always like I was waking up in the morning already tired, even if I was not doing nothing. Yeah, yeah. Now I exercise like crazy. Like I do at least two hours of very intense exercise every day. I do CrossFit every day. Yes. But I'm not tired. I'm never tired. So I've seen so many amazing changes in my life that I want, I want also other people to have this. I want to, to help everyone. And starting from the people very close to me, but I want to reach as many people as possible. And as you said before talking about me, if I can reach just one person and make uh, this person's life better, I am already happy. In, I have uh, I created with my friend, his name is Imanshu and he's a professor here and he's a very good friend of mine. We created a WhatsApp group that is called Fit Family. Nice. <laughs> yeah, so every day uh, we... Um, we share what we are going to do. Like I'm going for a run, I'm going for a walk, I'm going to the gym. And so the other people of the group, if they they are available, they just come. And many of those people are telling me, uh, if it was not for your message, I will never leave the house. Yes. So this is something that motivates me to always do better because I want to be really an example. And, And this is something that my parents taught to me that the best lesson is done through example. Yes. This is what they always told me. And uh, being a model. Yes. I want to be a model for the other people. And I also want, especially people that are overweight, I want them to know that there is nothing to be ashamed of. There is nothing to be afraid. You just go do your own thing and show up at the gym. No, no one is really caring about you. Yeah. This is what I realized. Yeah. Like, I don't care if there are people fat or thin in the gym. I'm just doing my own thing. So I assume that also the other people are doing their own thing yeah. and they're not looking at me if I am fat, if I'm not fat. And, and even if other people were looking at me thinking, oh my gosh, she's so fat. This doesn't have to stop me to be a better version of myself. Because if I don't do nothing, I will always be fat. So what is the purpose of my life? Please the other people? No. The purpose of my life must be to be a better version of myself every day. And to change the plot that I have had for my own, for my whole life. Yeah. And, you know, when 
Have you ever heard of FOMO? No. FOMO is an acronym for fear of missing out. So if people people don't want to miss out on a party or people don't want to miss out on doing something, so it's called FOMO. And and then there's there's something else that I learned um, through uh, the Finding Mastery podcast that I listened to with Dr. Michael Gervais, and he created a um, an expression called FOPO, fear of other people's opinions. Yes. And so many people are held back yes. by the fear of other people's opinions of us, right? Exactly. And when it comes down to it, like you just said, screw everybody. Yeah, I don't care. Do not worry about everybody. It's, it's like living your own life exactly. and living your own dreams and not having a fear of what will other tell people... And tell you something. What I've learned is that the other people's opinion of us is defined by us. Yes. How you receive it. Yes. Right? Yes, exactly. And how you accept it. And, exactly. And what I wanted to ask you, a couple more questions before we finish is, what are you hoping for in terms, so your son Marco is uh, in grade two, he's going into grade three, mm-hmm. and you can you are an inspirational role model to him, and he came the night of the Pechicucha, and when it was your turn to talk, and there was probably 60 people here, yes. right? The house was packed. <laughs> yes. And he walked right over in front of you and put down a little cushion and sat down in yes, front of you and was me. so proud of you. Yes. So what are you hoping, what message are you hoping to pass on to, to Marco through your journey? So um, Marco is, uh, of course, he's my son is very special for me and he's the, the, the smartest Kids, uh, kids ever. He's very yes, smart. Yes, he's very smart. He's brilliant. And he's very sensitive. And um, he had a very strong relationship with food. He loves eating a lot. So, uh, and he hated exercising. So I spent, he's eight years old, and I spent like seven years of his life telling him, you should exercise. And I brought him to all the classes possible. And he always say, no, this is not going to happen. No, 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 no. When I started to exercising, I stopped telling him to exercise because I see that it was not going to work. But I, I just was um, sharing with him every day what I was doing. And then the day arrived, then he asked me to exercise. And uh, now he has a personal training that is also my personal trainer for kickboxing, yeah. Mr. Yasser. And he's doing kickboxing with him every day. Excellent. And uh, after starting to do kickboxing, he started to be much more mindful of uh, what he's eating. Because um, I I always share with him all the information about food. This is healthy. This is not. This is something that is really crap. You should not eat that. And um, now that he started to exercise, he really... Sometimes he tells me, Mama, I'm hungry, but probably it's better if I eat some one kiwi or, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> or one banana. No, so he doesn't ask me for chocolate anymore. Yeah. And he's allowed to have, of course, chocolate from time to time and to have uh, his uh, sweet things from time yeah, yeah. to time. But uh, it's not uh, on a daily basis, basis like it was before. Yeah. So again, the example is the best lesson. So what I want to, to live... Uh, to Marco is that uh, he has to be brave and uh, n- don't let hen- anything 
putting down that yeah. you can face anything in your life if you have the right attitude. If you have a bad attitude, also the small thing can put you down. Yeah. But if you have the right attitude, the worst thing can become your strength. Right, yeah. yeah. And that that's great. What an amazing message to pass on to him. And um, the last question I want to ask you is about um, your relationship with food now. Yeah. Because everybody listening to this loves Italian food. I, gar- yeah. <laughs> I guarantee. I love Italian food yeah, too. <laughs> I guarantee that not one person listening to this does not like yeah. Italian food. And I am one of those. I love Italian food. Yeah, and, and we love Italian food. Yeah. And, and so I guess... But you but, can... You, yeah, yeah, can you just talk about how your relationship I, with I food has changed? I learned that uh, you can uh, enjoy food and uh, not kill yourself. <laughs> And, and you can uh, eat healthy food and still have good food. I just basically cook every day for myself, but I cook healthy food, and which I really enjoy much more than before, because before I was just like stuffing myself. Now I use the food as fuel for my body. And so I'm very conscious about what I put inside my body, because my body is the most important thing that I have because it is the house for my soul and it's for my temple. heart. It's my temple, yes. Yeah. So I'm very conscious about what I eat, but I don't starve myself. I eat very good food every day, and then from time to time I have a cheat meal. Like what's, what's your what's what's your cheat meal? Pizza. That you really, pizza <laughs> that you make, of course. That I make, yes. yes. <laughs> Yes. No, no Italian restaurant will make pizza like you. At least not abroad. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. So yes, my so, cheat so, meal so what's, is it's and, pizza. And, yeah. and what do you put on your pizza? No, I just like margherita. Which, margherita. Yes, mozzarella and pomodoro and tomato. Yes. Nice, yes. nice. So this is my cheat meal, and I really enjoy my cheat meal. And I don't stuff myself. I just enjoy that meal, yeah. and then go back on track. Yeah. And I'm living my best life in this yeah, moment. Beautiful. Yeah, beautiful. Beautiful. Um, you're on Facebook. Yes. So anybody, is it okay if I put yes, your Facebook link exactly. Uh, exactly. in the show notes? Because yes. um, are you on Twitter? No, I am Facebook and on Instagram. Okay. So yes. who are you on Instagram? Caterina Carna. It's Can like, you spell it's that? C A T E R I N A C A R N A. Okay. Is there a dot there, or is it no? Just, so, Katerina Karna. Yeah. Okay, on Instagram. Yes. Okay, so I, I really recommend that people follow your journey. Yes, because yeah. I'm sharing what I'm doing every day. Yeah. And so I try to... It's, it's something that I do to record my journey for myself. Yeah. Because I don't want to forget where I'm, where I'm coming from. Yeah. And where I'm going. Exactly. And But also I, I share this for other people. And it's really nice because I receive a message on a daily basis from people that say, Oh, wow, you're doing an amazing job. You look amazing. Like people that don't see me for a while. Yeah. They are uh, very inspired. You look so different. It's unbelievable. You're a totally yeah. different person. What did you do? I want you to do the same thing. Yeah. And so this is this is something really important for me. Inspire others. Yeah, beautiful. <laughs> Thank you so much. Thank you for, share, for sharing your story. Thank you so much. And uh, like I said, I'll put the link to uh, your Facebook and your Instagram in yes. the show notes. And uh, I hope people reach out to you. 
and um, maybe you know a few months down the road six months we can have you back on to yes. continue to share your journey sure. you can probably hear the the frying and so I'm the, sorry the, that's the, the, the condenos feel the smell it's <laughs> amazing <laughs> yeah so Ty's uh, dinner is almost ready here yes. but um, we cannot wait to eat any any last message for the people listening yes never give up Never give up. This is the matter. No, no matter what, never give up. Because after the darkness, you will always see the star. Yeah. And you will not see the stars without the darkness. Yes, so, yeah. beautiful. Okay, everybody, thanks for listening to uh, my podcast with Katerina. Katerina, thank you so much. Thank I'm going to give you a hug when I stop yeah. recording. <laughs> um, but I hope you come back to listen to future episodes. Thanks for listening to the Run Your Life podcast by Andy Bassett. To check out show notes, get some more information about Andy as well as his guests, head to our website, 21clradio.com.